Hello and welcome back to Flights to Allegasia. Uh, always, you got me, Chip, and Armin, and Eldest, and now back to Aragon. Yes. Thank you. Weird. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you so much for joining again. Thank you for the reviews. Please go again, put a five star on the iTunes. It's a great help. It helps so much. Join us on Facebook on our Facebook page. Join us in Twitter. Those are probably the best places to get updates of random things. Um, so yeah, so everyone, um, because we left on a great ass cliffhanger, I'm not really gonna say much more. We're gonna jump right into this. Yeah, we are starting off with chapter 31 on the Crags of Telnair. I probably pronounced that wrong, but. A big-ass golden dragon with a dude on its back just, like, plopped down in front of Aragon. Pretty much. L secret weapon. So, this is the Morning Sage, the dude that reached Aragon in his whatever vision thing he was when he was unconscious, whatever that was. His name's Oromis, which is a badass name. I I love that name. It's Oromis. Woo! <laughs> nice. And I honestly can't remember what I predicted about the Morning Sage. It's been too long. I I have no idea. Well, if I didn't like him, him. I, I have no idea what I thought about him. So it's been too long since we finished book one. Yeah. But we do get an excellent reminder when Ormus is talking to Islanzadi that a writer is above all in Elven society. Like the writers, the head, like he's the top. Like they yeah. revere him more because, like, he speaks to Islanzadi with no mannerisms and none of the cover ups that Arya taught Aragon. And he scolds her too. Oh, he yeah. just like he just does like power moves right there. And he gives no fucks because, no, like, yeah, he just tells her off. She's the queen of the elves. She like has all of her dignity, all of elven society and manners. And this man gives no shits whatsoever. So he kind of does, but he's like, he's not rude about it, but it's clear that he is, he, he is the power figure in this situation. It is impressive. And like, like you said, straight up power move. He's a pretty, he's a pretty suave character, but also my man, Oric, not referencing that in our podcast, but yes, <laughs> but my man, Oric. I really hope that Oryx stays around because I like what he does here. He questions Ormus for his people because they've been fighting and the elves haven't. And Ormus is a writer. Why hasn't he been going after Galvatorix? Right. So he questions Ormus for his people. He polite, like he politely, but he gets mad at his Ormus's terrible answer. <laughs> <laughs> but then he acts gracefully about it and apologizes when Ormus explains. Yeah. Like, so he's like, it shows that his heart's in the right place. Like he questions it for his people. He gets mad because he cares about like their plight, but then he understands Ormus's answer and what his choice is after he explains. And he has the grace to apologize. I, I freaking love Ork. I hope he's such a great character. Just, he's so well-rounded. Just stand up, dude. It's nice. It's nice. We get a couple of like classic tests. We're back to the master student dynamic. It's a bit more of a master student dynamic than it was with Brom. Oh yeah, big time. And so, it, um, it, it, it's explained. You know, like how like Brom was just like 
learn this, learn this, learn this as easy as like as quick as possible. So you have these ready to go, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, that makes sense because they were on the run or they're, well, that time they were chasing, but yeah, it just makes sense. We do get that when Ormus like demands that Aragon call him master. Same oh. with Saphir calling uh, Glader. Talk Is about it, another yeah. power move there. Yeah. Oh. He's just like, he has this, this, he's exactly what a writer has been like spoken up to be. Like, yeah. it's just like his confidence, his aura, his, just how he holds himself and how Paolini describes him and how Paolini describes his interactions with other people. I don't think we referenced this enough, but Christopher Paolini has an amazing sense for people as well. He describes them extremely well. His prose is amazing. And um, for just prose is basically just how natural sounding interactions are in literature. So Paolini describes people's like body language and their just sort of how they interact. It is amazing, honestly. He has an sort of an empathy and a foresight that is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I do. There we got some just some classic tests. You know, uh, Orbis is. We're talking about the master student thing, and it is because we also like Safira has a master as well. So Glader is training Safira as Oramis is training Aragon with the rider dragon thing. And we'll get into that, like we'll get into that a bit later in the next couple chapters. But I do like Oramis's explanation of training. Because Roran already has the ability, he just needs to focus it. So like okay. he has the raw talent, he needs to be able to focus it to control it. Right. Almost like Luke Skywalker. Yeah, like that's a common thing in like training as well. Yeah. Um, especially in fantasy, especially in literature, just and we you know get that montage of training moments and lessons and yeah. Ba, ba, da, ba. Pretty much, yes. The Rocky theme music playing in the background as he runs all over Philadelphia. Exactly. Um, but I'm honestly we get a lot of small details and like little stories about Brom, because Aragon asks about Brom's past. And I'm not sure which one to focus on. We okay. get we get more of Brom's past, sort of like where he grew up from, like what he did. He was also um, Ormus' student. Why he killed Morzin and started the Varden. We see how Galbatoris got a second dragon. Um, and Ormus actually like fully describes all of this stuff. We get more history. None of it's too out of line, you know? Like none of it's overly new or revolutionary. It's just sort of touching up what he's got exactly um, kind of patching the holes where he feels that he is missing yeah and it's a bit of a refresher for us as the reader um because we're getting more into like you know dragon lore and galbatoric stuff more like end game level shit so yeah, yeah it just it's a really good to it's always good to get then once again Pelini does a great job of making a history section not seem so blatant and obvious you know this is very logical of why he is explaining this it's very makes sense of what and why this is now and this is why it's being explained currently it's not just like oh you don't know here let me write off a whole two pages of random stuff it's more like oh these are things you need to know and you have good questions which is also something 
I feel like Polini did very good at, um, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? In Aragon's character, he made sure that we knew in the beginning that Aragon was always full of questions. Like that was yeah. something we knew about Aragon. That was a that was a characteristic of Aragon we knew in the very beginning with Brom when storytelling and everything that how you know Brom would always just be like more questions. You know, it just it, it yeah. was very it was very concrete and it helped us as a reader know that that's part of Aragon's character. So having again another situation where yeah, you're gonna explain one thing. You already know Aragon asking more makes sense. It's not just randomly. He's like, hold on, you know, in the what is it, Greece? Tell me more. Tell me more. Oh God, no, please. Exactly. No Greece so, references. It's too um, early for that. <laughs> it's eleven thirty. <laughs> yes. No, that I had to sing that once. Oh God, no, that was terrible. Let's hear it. Uh, the no, whole entire. Thing. No, I hated singing right. that. It was, yeah. <laughs> I'm a bass. It was made entirely for Sopranos. I hate that song. Yeah, no, I, I hated that song. I hated that song because I had to sing it. Like, I didn't mind it in the actual movie, but because I had to, like, when, once you've sung something 50 times and it's in the wrong voice part, you, you, you hate it. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah. Same with, um, I once had to, to sing Uptown Funk, that Bruno Mars Mark Ronson song. Yeah. I had to sing I that. that song. I hate that song just to begin with. I didn't see, I used to like it. Until I, I had to rehearse it, so overplayed. Of so overplayed on the radio. It was overplayed. Yeah, you think it was overplayed until you had to rehearse it two, like four or That's five fair. times every night for two months. That's fair. Um, and had to dance to it. That was just bad. Oh man. The cheesy chorus moves to it. She get a dance montage of you. Oh God, no. Um, I mean, there's a, yeah, there's a few out there. I'm not going to tell you where to find them. But I know where one yeah, is. Ah. Those are the ones I was referencing, but yet you are not allowed to reference those on this podcast. Okay, fine, I won't. Because <laughs> you know that's back when I had a buzz cut. He looked good. <laughs> Debatable. That was pure sarcasm, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> y'all can't see his face, but that was pure sarcasm. <laughs> um, back to the book. Back to the book. So it's just it's just touch ups. Like we get. We get a reminder of all this history and it's going to be important, especially reminding us about Galvatorix. And I had some like sneaking suspicion that is kind of just purely stupid, but it was kind of funny to me that I'll talk about it a little bit. But basically for this chapter, it's just all of the training stuff we talk about. Um, he get Aragon, I believe he gets, it's almost like Tai Chi, what he does. I think that's next chapter, but it's all this different stuff that, Ormus is doing to prepare Aragon for mentally, like to prepare him mentally and physically for what they're going to do. And I'm getting, if for any of my Rangers of Prince fans out there, I get a very like halt will dynamic from this chapter. And Pali, it's just a mark of good prose and a good character dynamic that Palini and John Flanagan both created between their student and master. So I'm intentionally referencing that to get Chip to read it because those are good books and he should definitely read them. But, <laughs> but just a little shout out to my Rangers Apprentice fans because I love that series. I grew up on that series. But it's just still, it's a good prose. It's very natural. It feels like all of the dialogue, all the interjections, everything that they say to each other is natural. It's something that would occur in a normal conversation between a student and a master. Training montages so, are just training montages, man. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not much to talk about here, y'all. I do, I um, do like their. And, and after the first day, I do enjoy the. We're not done with the first day yet. When they're training, 
Yeah. Okay. Are you talking about um, the thing with Saphir? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, I don't think we're there yet. All right, cool. We can go there now. Um, oh, oh uh, uh, I was going to say we can wait if you have more to say. I'll wait. I'll I don't on this chapter. Okay. I will wait. Awkward pause? I will let let's you, I will let you okay. decide when we talk about that. All right, let, let's do an awkward pause, okay? Say what? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I stole that straight from Craig Ferguson, but that's okay. Um, I know. Chapter 32 and 33, Secret Lives of Ants. I thought that was a Pixar movie. And Under the Manoa Tree. So, now it's the Secret Life of Pets. Shit. And Ants. The movie. Yeah, sorry. Goodness um, gracious. <laughs> I'm, I'm all over the place today. But Did you say the Secret Life of Ants? I know. It's the Secret Life of Pets is the actual movie. But, but did you say the Secret Life of Ants earlier? That, that's the title. That, that's the chapter of the... No, nah, that chapter of the title. That's the title of the chapter. I know that. Yeah. Never mind. That was the joke. I was making okay. I was making a joke. Everyone, I'm a little bit tired. This has gone right <laughs> over my head. I apologize. Continue. Okay. Okay. We do get actually the Sephira that we get, she we sort of get like a difference because usually Sephira is like the strong silent type, or like she'll just mock Aragon a bit, but she absolutely gushes over Glander and we sort of see her like just how young she is because we don't really get the aspect of her that much like she's always this like a, not a solemn figure but she's a bit more mature than Aragon is Ooh. but we're reminded here that Saphira is still a kid too yes because Saphira just absolutely goes nuts and just gushes over Glader. and you're right at the end of the first training day when she's just like talking about him um and it's we're just used to her being this like badass dragon beast and just like having her just like pour over <laughs> this old dragon is kind of awesome. Um, and we do get that. So Paulini did set that up in Aragon's last section when Sophia's talking about being lonely. So it is kind of set up and it works. So like we understand, like we get that set up. It's not out of the blue that Sophia would be this excited because she's already expressed being lonely about being the last of her kind. So it makes sense that she's this excited about not only just being in the presence of another dragon, but also being able to learn from another one. That was such a big foreshadow when she's like, I'm alone at being my only guy. Yeah, that was pretty pretty big foreshadowing. But I thought it would be the red dragon on the front of Eldest. I'm just saying. I won't lie. That was my thought process. Like, You know, that is kind of confusing. I thought it would have been... Are we, are, like, are we in store for... Roaring gets a dragon. <laughs> that would be fucking nice. <laughs> so... We have to be in store for another dragon, though. Do we, though? There's a red dragon, and Glader is gold. Do we? Do we? Do it's we? Like, but my yes, point is, no, my point is, is that you got the gold dragon on Brisinger, right? The book Brisinger. That is yeah. clearly Gladiator. But I mean, does that mean you're in store for another dragon? Like The point is, is that if you had him on this book, and maybe the red dragon on the third book, you get a new dragon each book. Are we getting two dragons this book? No book and no dragon and Bryson? Like, what? Like, what is the scenario here? I mean, the fact that it's not Glader on the front of this book means that there's got to be another dragon. It's like, who puts a random ass dragon on the front of a book? Paulini. If the dragon's not. But, he, he, would he, but he wouldn't. Because he, he plays too much. He, no. would, he would do that just to fuck with people. No, he wouldn't. He's not like that. Oh. Okay, maybe he is. <laughs> He's really good at think about how much how much we're pissed off in the first book. Well, no, no, really no, he, 
Pellini wasn't fucking with us. He's planning it out, playing the long game. That's that. That's different than messing with us. He's okay. Then he's playing the long game here with the Red Dragon. The cover. Mm, regardless, regardless. Uh, Ormus tells Aragon to go shave, which I thought was kind of funny. Like you know, go shave the two hairs that you have on your face. Yeah, you um, little boy. Actually, I think he has a couple more. I I feel like yeah, he yeah. has that weird like patchy. He's got a mustache. He's got like the stash of like ten hairs that are all spaced the creep, out. The creeper stash. Yeah, yeah the creep stash. Um, uh, sorry if I made yeah, everyone also, cringe when I said that, but let's be yeah, honest here. Yeah, we all we cringe too. Don't worry. But <laughs> if you have one of those, shave it. That's why I've been so <laughs> lucky to be able to grow a mustache since like twelve. That's that's true. Chip has had facial hair since he was ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I actually I had a beard in seventh grade. What? It hasn't, it hasn't filled in much, but you had a beard in seventh grade. I didn't have a beard, but it was it filled in. It started filling in in seventh grade. Um, All right, Irish man. That's fair. Um, but <clears throat> regardless, regardless, I did also. I mean, I'm pretty sure like everybody's nicked themselves while shaving. But the first oh, yeah. time, oh, the first yeah. time I shaved with a straight razor, I yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Well, you um, never shaved yourself with a straight razor, dude. Do you know what, what? a straight razor is? Hmm? Do you know what a straight razor is? You mean just like the knife that they was using? Yeah. No, but the uh, just like the single blade, like the um, not the electric one. I forgot what those are called. Electric razors. No, I don't use an electric razor. Yeah, a straight blade is a legit knife, dude. Yeah. So he's talking about like a single blade razor. Does he? Use... I think I mean, he yeah, still blade. make them. Yeah. He uses a straight blade, right? Or What's straight the, razor. What, wait, 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 hold on. what are the other ones called? Just like the disposable? Like, what are they actually called? I don't know, dude. Four blade razors? Names of, names of razors. Like... Oh no, you're right. <clears throat> like the straight razor is, is just a knife, but like what? Y'all know what we're talking about. <laughs> it's like the disposable Rubik razor. <laughs> like a. Uh, do those have a name? I don't know. This disposable disposable razors? disposable razors. Yeah. Okay. Still. All right. For, like yeah, first time I shaved, I did because like also the first time I shaved, I didn't use anything. I just like put water on. <laughs> I didn't use like soap or shaving cream or anything like that. I don't use any soap or shaving cream if I shave, but but honestly, I just use soap because it just makes it go faster. I guess I like taking my time. Um, yeah, I don't because I just don't shave unless I need to. Um, yeah, neither. I have had a beard for almost going on a year. I was about to say, what are you talking about? <laughs> like you don't. <laughs> I trim my. Like, you don't I... even shave. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just use hair clippers and no guard and shape it, and that's about all I do. Really? That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have enough of a beard to do that. Nope. Uh, I'm in like a constant state of stubble, which is pretty it's, baller. It's kind of it's kind of bad because like it doesn't matter how long I grow it out, it'll just always like it doesn't get any longer than this. The, I'd just be like, okay with that. It's like it's just a constant, a constant state of five o'clock shadow. Hell yeah, dude. But regardless. Ormus has Aragon do Tai Chi, which is fun. I like Tai Chi. Tai Chi is very fun. Um, 
if you don't take yourself seriously. It's fine. Yes. Um, and I absolutely love the description of Aragon opening his mind to nature when Ormus takes him to the woods. And he just like, um, just, 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 I can't even describe it. This is how Paulini described Aragon, his brain interacting with everything was so nice. cool. Like, and I, I have that concept in my own story that I've tried to describe, but Paulini just does it so hey. sensationally. Be an author. <laughs> but yeah just a really cool des- description and um we also get from ormus a bit more language discussion and this is all because it's been a while since we talked about language you know how we were talking about like one alani gave us an amazing uh just he gave us a few lines of i believe it was dwarvish um that just sounded so cool because he's put so much thought into his languages. Like he's actually designed it. them. And we get, um, we talked about a long time ago when Brom was teaching Aragon the ancient language, like the cool, just how cool it is that they, that like power resides in how you say something or like um, intent behind words and just how magic is formed around that. And we get more of that with the, with Ormus teaching Aragon some like grammatical stuff. Yeah. Just like how you say something or some grammar, some plurals, that can change the meaning of a blessing or a curse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Which that was crazy. I did not see that, that is fucking ridiculous. I did not see that coming. And also, yeah. seeing as the next section, I couldn't help but see, seeing as our next section is about Nesueda, um, I did you- not see that coming. Because, bro, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, at the, the end of this, chapter, it doesn't go back to Roran. It doesn't. It goes to the Sueda, which means, like, that can't be a coincidence. Like, like I did not see that coming. Like, plus, like I thought that was just some, like, stupid thing that Aragon did that was magnanimous. Like, it was symbolic. But no, yes. like, when he blessed the child, he cursed the child. That is crazy. Like, um, and, like, the fact that they bring that up, and then we go back to the Sueda, like, Saying that that child's gonna be like a big thing in this book, like I thought, if like if anything, when I first read that, I thought before I saw that Nesueda was the next section. Before I read that, I, like, I thought that that would be like okay, yeah, maybe that's like three books from now, like when yeah. the kid grows up. Like maybe it's a long time ago. No, it might be. Oh, now. Like it what? Might be right like, now. Do, do we have a third plot point? Are we? Are we? We have parallels like, with Aurora and Aragon. Are we gonna add a third one now? Oh, dude. Please and thank you. <laughs> this is, this book is getting better and better. It is, it is. And the thing is, the curse meant that the child would be a shield. He cursed the kid to be lucky and happy, but a shield from evil. Yeah. Not be shielded, to be a shield from evil. Which, which means... It could go anyway. Like It could make the child a hero, protecting people at their own cost, but it could make them a villain. So... For any of y'all out there that have watched Loki, and I can, I, I absolutely love the narrative of Loki. I haven't finished it. No spoilers. Plus, um, I haven't even started it, dude. No, no, no it's okay. Like, okay. I'm not going to spoil any major plot points for you. But okay. when, um, when Mobius shows Loki his life and explains to him that Loki's sole purpose is to bring out the good in others, that like awareness in a villain is awesome, and. 
that's another thing. It's like telling a character what an author thinks of them. So Palladini could make this kid, like this curse could turn this kid into a villain to bring out the good in others. Oh, shit. Or it could turn this kid into a hero to protect others from evil, or it could turn the kid as a like evil sponge. <laughs> like um, a villain or a, like a cursed child kind of thing that either brings out the best or brings out the worst of other people. Damn, dude. So. Nuts. Wow. Ah! Honestly, I wouldn't have put that much thought into this if Nisueta hadn't been the next section, but it is. Like, is the next section, and we have a cursed shot. Oh, my God. I didn't realize this one was the next section, and that makes so much yeah. sense. It's like I just like I saw. Uh, I think she's like the first. Like word. I just yeah, like, yeah, the first word of it. It was Nisueda. I was like, oh shit. Um, we're gonna have to just wait and gone. see. We're just gonna have to wait and see. But damn it, Aragon, I love you, Polini. <sighs> I think we're moving on to the next chapter, which is under the Minoa tree. And okay. oh look, it's Arya. I'm generally not oh, sure if I should be surprised or annoyed. I want to like Arya. I Me really too. do. She had a cool origin. She had a cool beginning. She's really goddamn annoying right now. I want to like her. I really do. But <sighs> Arya shows Aragon around uh, um, Elismera. Yep. Which is kind of cool because, like, Aragon hasn't gone out at all. So, like, she shows him around and she brings him to this this elf woman who made all of the rider swords, including including uh, Zarak. Which is like, damn. This mystical sword that has so much curse. I'm like, that lady made it. Yeah. Um, I think that was... I'm not sure if that would be important. Like, if Aragon needs the new sword or something. You just go back there. Or maybe it's like some... I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. We've already digressed enough. But we get our reference to a prophecy. To the prophecy. It's the first reference we've had in a long time. And I need to go back and actually look at this reference because I forgot what the reference was. I just wrote it in my notes. I should have actually written it out in the notes. But... um, Secret Lives Advance. Give me a second. I need to. I, I need to find it. This is important. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we get this. He remembered Solombum telling him, "When the time comes and you need a weapon, look under the roots of the Manoa tree." Is that where all the swords are from? Then no, no, no. It's not. So it basically, Arya takes him to the Manoa tree with the Blood Oath celebration. Um. So she brings them deeper into the forest. They come to the uh, lone pine tree standing in the clearing and um, the like blanket of roots. That's like uh, the entire forest seemed like float out of the tree. And uh, Arya says, behold the Manoa tree. She goes, when all seems lost and your power is insufficient, go to the rock of uh, Kuthian and speak your name open to open the vault of souls. Which we still don't know what that is. But he says, when you need a weapon, look under the roots of the Manoa tree. Huh. I have no idea what that means. Whatsoever. Goodness gracious. Yeah, we, like, 
we're so blind to so many like machinations of phalanity that are moving around us that I, I there's nothing that I can say about this because like yeah like what what I mean what are we gonna do like uh-huh. <laughs> this, the one thing that I can pull from that is that there's like something is gonna happen in Elismera or in do in do uh, Weldenvard because if Aragon is at his lowest and he needs to look under the Minoa tree for a weapon. That means that he'll be at his lowest in Duelenvard. Goodness gracious. So maybe an invasion? Maybe Galvatorx comes? Maybe Galvatorx is Oromus. What? I'm I'm, I'm completely kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) I was going to say, where the fuck did that come from, dude? (laughs) That was was like the kind of stupid funny thought that I had when we were introducing Oromus. I won't count it out. It's possible. It's not probable. I don't think that it is, but it's possible. What if Oromus is Galvatorix in disguise? Nuts. Hiding in plain sight the whole time. Remember, we've never seen Galvatorix. That's true. No, I'm I'm completely kidding. I'm not making a case for this. I was just messing around. What if Oromus is Galvatorix? That'd be crazy. I know. If that was the case... I don't know, but I might just throw the book at the wall. <laughs> Bro. That'd be pretty cool, though, huh? It'd be interesting. Sorry, I'm looking for the... Let's see here. Oh, yeah. So, the legend... That was one more thing. The uh, legend of the Manoa tree reminded me a lot of the story of Daphne in Greek mythology. Uh, you have to tell me that one, buddy. So basically, uh, the god Apollo was chasing this. I think she was a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think she was a nymph. Or she, I don't know. She was a daughter of a river god, I think, if I remember okay. correctly. Um, and I, this the, the god Apollo was trying to woo her, was chasing after her, and she like begged her father to protect her, and he turned her into a, a I think it was uh is either reeds or a tree. Uh, I think it was a tree. Um okay. uh, yeah, it was, it was a laurel tree, I think. And then Apollo like pulled some leaves off and made the laurel crown. But we get kind of a similar story, um where that the uh this woman goes uh he's happy. She basically discovered that she'd been like uh, abandoned. She goes mad with grief, uh, takes the fullness of life, and she knows what she's done. It's evil, loses all joy, goes to the oldest tree and sang herself into the tree. Okay. So kind of just like, you know, turning into tree because of love. I just, that was kind of like a little connector. I know it's not the same premise, but still. Oh, um, Yeah. And <laughs> the, yeah. That's about it for this chapter. There's two more things. One, that child is definitely going to be a big-ass plot point. Goodness gracious, that child is going to be like a story of its own. And next, our next chapter is called A Maze of Opposition. Nesueda crossed her arms without bothering to conceal her impatience. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. I'm not sure if my brain can handle anymore. <sighs> um, I'm really not sure, but... That's just one more thing. I wonder, and uh, 
the reason I say that is because Aragon brought up the child to Arya. And he goes, I, I only wonder what will become of the child and Blagden, that like mystic uh, raven thing, oh, just like no. shrieks, Werda. What? This says it. Is no, Werda. I know, I know, but like, what yeah. does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I think I can't find it in the uh, uh, pronounce in like the text. Um, My oh, no, crazy Werda. thought process. Oh, no, I know what it means. What? It means fate. Fate? It means fate. Are you saying faith or fate? No, fate. Oh, fuck. They talk about the kid. It's like, I only wonder what will happen to the child. And then the, the, the prophetic raven goes by yelling fate. Ah. Dude. <laughs> fuck it, eh? Ah. Okay, yeah, the child's going to... Wow. This child is either going to be a blessing or a big sick son of a bitch of a curse. Oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. No bueno. <laughs> no bueno indeed. No bueno. Damn. There's not much more we can say about this section, only that I, I can't I wait to read this way to... to read. But a lot of it was just like, cool, you're training. Cool, yeah. you got to see the world. Like, don't get me wrong. Again, we love the imagery that Polini has in here. Describing things, describing oh, yeah. in general. I just, this child just took over. Like, knowing it that really, he yeah. cursed a child. Oh, fuck. Now, now I just want to read in the section. I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're going to have to hold off for like a couple of days. And then I'm going to be like, all right, let's just read it. And then I'm going to be like, ah, crap. Yeah. Ah. yeah. All right. Well, that's a nice place to leave off. Um, that is not a nice of, place to leave. Oh, boy. All of y'all laughing at us as you know it's going to happen and we don't. Um, wow. Wow. How could he have yeah. cursed a child? Because he put it in past tense instead of... <laughs> Everyone, conjugation is important. Past. It is. Learn your conjugations. Especially uh, for learning a different language. Let's be honest. Conjugations mean everything in foreign languages. Goodness gracious. Yeah, English has an easy style. Yeah, it does. Try and learn Spanish conjugations? Nope. Mm -mm. Oh, yeah. Done. Peace. How about... Honestly, I think Spanish conjugations are worse than French conjugations. Really? French conjugations were pretty bad, but all you have to do is memorize one pattern and then all the exceptions to the pattern. Huh. Uh, With Spanish, there were a bit more than that, I think. Yeah, it's my fiance. She's learning French and she knows Spanish. I'm going to say, isn't she fluent? In Spanish? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well... Our brains, on, are kind of, our brains are kind of fried right now. Um, we are, yeah, our, our brains are kind of, they're, they're kind of broken right now. Uh, give us some time to recover. Uh, yeah, that's all I have is I have nothing else to say. I thought that was like a really <laughs> cool section. We meet a new dragon yeah. and we meet a writer. But nope, Aragon had to go fuck some shit up a few months ago. Cursed a child. <sighs> 
this guy. That happened in book one. Pretty much where we're at in this book, almost a whole entire book later. Uh, yeah, pretty much. It happened we're in half of the book. Of, progress. It happened in half the book of, or a little bit after half in book one. And this is a little bit before half in book two. Almost a whole entire book later. It, happened after, it didn't happen halfway through book one. I said after halfway. You know, if you have nothing nice to say, just don't say anything at all. I mean, he tried. Like, he was trying to bless the kid. Like, he still, like, blessed the kid to be happy and lucky and to shield from evil. Just, like, he did, like, condemn the child to doom. Yeah. Like, well, he unintentionally, have, he did. Yeah. But, like, he's still, like, you know, happy and lucky and a, sh- and a shield from evil. Like, it's better than just being a shield from evil. I At guess the good lucky. thing to know, the good thing is, is his intentions were like, right, like what he wanted to do, like his heart was in the right place. Yeah, that's what matters. Uh, no, not that kid. <laughs> yeah, watch that kid come back and just kill Aragorn. Yeah, I know it's not gonna happen, but that'd be hilarious. He comes back, he's like, "You, fuck you," <laughs> and he just walks into. It's like that Johnny Cash song. When he a uh, boy named Sue, he found his dad. He's like, "My name is Sue, and I'm gonna kill you." Uh, I do believe that's all we have to say, though. It is. Well, y'all can chew on that because uh, we're gonna be chewing on that for a while. Yep. No spoilers, please. If you are just as lost as we are. I feel your pain. <laughs> I hope we learn it this next section because if we don't learn anything at all in this next section with the suede, we have to, dude. We have to. There's no way that they would reference the kids so much and then immediately jump into the suede. There has to be at least some reference to it. Polini would definitely tease us like this. We're definitely gonna get some politics. The next chapter is called a maze of a maze of opposition. It's like yes. all the all the Varden politics that we were talking about that we thought would happen before Aragorn left are going to happen now. Yeah, this is going to be a. I feel I, I feel that this next session is going to be very dry. I hope it's not, but I feel that it is going to be. Yeah, let's get Murtog back already, please, please. All right, everyone. We're talking this way to Bonnie and Clyde power couple right there. Murtaugh and Nisueta? Yes. That would be pretty dope. Almost Murtaugh and anyone. Nah. Murtaugh and Arya? Hell no. Hell yeah. <laughs> nah, nah. They wouldn't be like Bonnie and Clyde, but... They wouldn't... Nah, they'd be... Too, uh, nah. That would be a badass duo, though. Think about them going into battle. An elf and a fucking strider, practically. <laughs> I think that'd be a badass. They'd be badass in battle, yeah, but no. I don't think Murtaugh has the political point in him. He's too stubborn. He's too, like, independent to, like, deal with politics. Like, again, I don't, like, yeah, I see a good duo because I think his, like, his heart would be in the right place, but him and Nisueto would be a little bit iffy when it comes to like doing stuff. That's that's fair. That's fair. I take back my statement. Murtaugh and anyone is not. That's not true. No, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's a, that's about all we've got. That's all I've got. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. 
dealing with us annoyed and frustrated and wanting to know what happens to Eric, the kid that Aragon cursed. Yeah. And I swear, I swear, if Arya doesn't do anything significant enough to make me like her again, she's just going to be annoying the whole entire series. We have... I think I think she will. She has to. I think she will. Ellie's too smart to let a character like that go to waste. I know. All right, people. That's a wrap. <laughs> Take care, y'all. Thanks for listening. <laughs>